Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Average Film Enjoyer podcast. I am uh, one of your hosts, Trey, and I am joined today by my uh, co-host, Jagger. Jagger, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you? I am doing absolutely swell. Uh, we are excited today uh, because I believe this is this will be the first episode released uh, with a guest. Um, so, uh, yeah, today on our podcast, we have uh, Seth from, uh, like, his TikTok account and Seth's Film Reviews. Um, if you're on Film Talk at all, you've seen him. Um, Seth, uh, you just want to introduce yourself, tell the, tell the folks where they can find you and find your content. Yeah, so I am here. Um, my my uh, camera isn't working, so I am, I am behind my black screen at the minute. Uh, yeah, I mean, TikTok, Seth's Film Reviews um it's the same on every platform instagram yeah. youtube letterbox letterbox Seth reviews uh it's pretty much the same man i think like you said if you're on film talk you might have seen me before i make i guess average movie content who knows um <laughs> i appreciate you guys having me on man I'm looking forward to it yeah yeah of course we're excited to have you on um so something we like to do with our guests um, so, uh, the folks listening get to know what kind of movies they like, uh, is just have our guests talk about, uh, their top four movies on Letterboxd Ooh. and why those are their top four or any top four movies you want to talk about. Yeah, man. So, I mean, my, my top four changes like quite frequently, like it's a point mm -hmm. where it's like, I usually do it every couple months, every month, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite of the minute, my number one is Ran, Akira Kurosawa's Ran. Um, yeah. Similar to Seven Samurai, like the blockbuster, the blueprint for an action blockbuster. Um, aside from the cinematography, which is everyone spoken about, and Kurosawa's use of color to show the character's worst traits of human, the best traits of human. But I think its portrayal of a Shakespearean adaptation is probably the best ever, or at least the best I've seen. So Ran is my number one. Uh, number two right now is actually a Razorhead. Um, so I am a big Lynch guy. Uh, a is not my favorite Lynch by any means, but I watched it very recently, so I just started to stick it in there. Um, a really difficult film to dissect. I've watched it many, many, many times. I think it just is a film on powerlessness, um, becoming a parent, misery, relationships, and I think Lynch just produces it in such an obscure way, and I said that was his debut. I really appreciate that. Uh, third, we have M. Night Signs. So, yes. A perfect film in my eyes. A film like you know, not about aliens, about belief, the belief in something more, uh, about religion. I think it's just a beautiful piece of storytelling. And of course, M Night. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about him, but I am a, I'm a huge fan of his visual style. I think he always finds an interesting place to put a camera. Um, and I think that Signs has just been one of my. I think it is well my favorite projects from him and has been for a while. And then for right now, we've got Titan from uh, 2021. Uh, just a really unique body horror on identity and finding yourself and also acceptance as well um, and, and sexuality and, and the need for family, the need for friendships. Um, really one that's not for everyone just because of how visceral the imagery is, but I think Titan is one of the better horror films we've had in the last couple of years anyway um, because, I don't know, I, I've not really enjoyed a lot of the horror that's come out recently. I think it's been great and I think that was as well and i have completely forgotten her name but you know whatever um but yeah that's it they're the top four right now yeah i mean i i love like i the only one i've seen i, I want to see ran um because i love kurosawa 
Um, but signs, I mean, I know, I know a lot of people, M. Night Shyamalan, I feel like is a very, uh, he, he, exactly. Yep. Um, and he's very, I don't know. He either really hits for me or he really misses. So like stuff like unbreakable is probably unbreakable and split are like my two favorites. Um, and the village and, uh, signs, obviously six cents, but then his other stuff. I mean, obviously last airbender was really disappointing. I haven't seen that. I've not, I've never watched the show, so I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's. It, it, as a fan of the show when i was a kid seeing that was just it was just disappointing yeah. um and the happening wasn't my favorite but i think i do quite enjoy him i don't know jagger i don't know what how you feel i don't think we've ever talked about m night Shyamalan on this podcast i i don't know that we have either and again there are some m night movies that i really like and some that i really don't like uh then he has stuff like knock at the cabin that i kind of hold sort of in the middle uh, I'm in yeah. the minority that kind of liked the visit. Um, oh, I love the visit. I completely forgot that Shyamalan. I love yeah, that yeah. movie. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Uh, so I do like some of his stuff. Uh, some of his other stuff, though. Yeah, obviously is a mess. I have unfortunately watched The Last Airbender. That was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, but I would <laughs> like to touch on the fact that you have a racer head in your top four, because yeah. uh, I know you Trey don't love it. Um, however, I do. I really think that it is a great, great film. Um, big Lynch guy. So I appreciate you having that up there that high. Yeah, I'm a big Lynch guy. So I, I, I have, I've, I've had a lot of Lynches in my top four. My favorite being Lost Highway by far. Um, but any Lynch really on any day aside from Dune, which, you know, whatever, uh, would, could be in my top four just because I'm a huge, huge fan of his work, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I watched a Razorhead a few weeks ago, and that was my first experience with Lynch. Um, yeah, you're so, not going to get much from a Razorhead on the first watch. I think it's something. I gave it three and a half. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I think it's something that could definitely go up. I could see going up on rewatch, but it would need. It, I think that's one that warrants uh, multiple it, watches. Yeah, it needs them. I, I think most Lynches do, but specifically that one. It's just such yeah. a weird narrative. It's so bizarre. Is that your yeah. first Lynch, or have you seen multiple? That's that's my first one. Um, okay, I would have suggested I'm, Blue Velvet as a first. Yeah, first Blue Velvet, game. and then Jagger keeps trying to get me to watch Mulholland Drive, because that's one of his favorites. Yeah, Mulholland uh, Drive's great. I just think Blue Velvet is like, it showcases his surrealism, but it also mm-hmm. has a narrative you can follow, and like an actual structure to it, whereas Lost Highway is like all over the fucking place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, so yeah, yeah, for sure. Give Blue Velvet a watch, because I think, think you'll probably end up quite liking that a bit more. Yeah, I will. Um, But I wanted to get into our movie review for today. So as our listeners know, we have been working our way through the IMDb Top 250. We've uh, reviewed movies such as Persona, The Iron Giant, um, The Help, Dances with Wolves, stuff like that. So today um, we are reviewing the French coming-of-age film uh, from 1959 called uh, The 400 Blows. We're on Zoom today, so I'm going to pull up Letterboxd on my phone. Um, I gave this movie four and a half stars. I think both Jagger and Seth, you guys both have this at five stars. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, I haven't watched it in... I've seen it twice. Uh, see, I think last time I watched it was like three months ago. It was not two or three months ago, not too long. But I've given it five, yeah, both times. I really, really like it, definitely. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, so 400 Blows came out in 1959, has a 4.3 overall on Letterboxd. Um, and yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this. Um, oh, I completely forgot to go through the synopsis. Sorry, listeners. Um, so for young Parisian boy Antoine Donil, I probably just absolutely botched that. Uh, <laughs> life is one difficult situation after another. Surrounded by inconsiderate adults, including his neglectful parents. Sweet Jesus. Uh, Antoine spends his days with his best friend, Rene, trying to plan for a better life. When one of their schemes goes awry, Antoine ends up in trouble with the law, leading to even more conflict with unsympathetic authority figures. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this film. Um, uh, but if you guys want to... You guys have it rated higher than me, so if you guys want to start us off um, with your opening thoughts, uh, go right ahead. Seth, I wants to go first. Seth, I think you should take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Forge Boys is an interesting one. I actually just checked now. I made a one top one hundred favorites list recently. Um, it comes in at forty ninth, so in the top fifty uh, of mine all time, which is quite the high amount i think i think the 400 blows is a is a really really interesting film now i'm a huge fan of coming of age stories in general um mm -hmm. i'm a huge fan of dark realistic coming of age stories primarily in what i usually compare it to for like a modern version would be like moonlight for example yeah in a way that it kind of displays you know optimism but also hardships of growing up and of having no real father figure and authoritarian figure around you and people treating you differently now i think the Forge of Blows is, first of all, the setting is incredible. I think the mm -hmm. cinematography is really a strong point of this film. It's rich in realism with just stunning visuals, especially with the ending as well. Um, obviously, we'll get to the ending, but one of the best final shots I've, I've seen, maybe ever. And I think it's just effectively a, a really simplistic character study that doesn't need complexity, uh, complexity of a 13-year-old you know, boy's struggles, um, of a, a passionless family, those who don't, who aren't really bothered with him, who's manipulative authority just leads him um to go astray and to kind of do his own thing and get into trouble in the meantime and i think you're yeah. just watching him as a, as a as a person as a character develop and i think it's a film that's kind of equally both kind of tragic and meditative in a way where it's kind of like a soothing watch i would i would describe it as especially within the the first half when they're kind of just walking around up to no good um but yeah, I think it's just a really interesting film. Like, I think it captures um, the feeling so well of being a kid and kind of having having adults think they know what's best for you is the primary thing. And having people think that and then not really knowing what's best for yourself and needing um, a good, strong authority figure, but not someone who's going to kind of take advantage and go astray with you. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I get the five star. I think, I think it's obviously a huge thing as well. It was Francois Truffaut's debut in 59. Um, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, That's so good. it's obviously one of the most impressive, in my eyes, directorial debuts ever. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I think he was actually in his mid-twenties when, when he came out with this. Um, so yeah, remarkably impressive. Uh, but yeah, I give it a 5 out of 5. It's one of my favorite coming-of-age stories ever. Um, I think it's just very, very effective in what it tries to tell. Yeah. Um, Jagger, uh why don't you go ahead and uh, give us your your opening thoughts or anything that's coming to mind right now? Um, what what are you thinking? 
Yeah, I um I totally agree with everything that he said. It is very realistic. Um, it does capture a lot of that parent uh, adults knowing what's best for you sort of concept, and it does it all really really well. Um, it's a very simple film as far as a lot of things go, like really simple. Yeah. Um, but somehow it manages to find that area of haunting, heartbreaking film within its very simplistic, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is a phenomenal coming-of-age film. I'd say it's probably top five coming-of-age, in my opinion. Um, and I find it on a technical aspect, on a, like, viewer's aspect as well, to be a genuinely perfect... Mm -hmm. To be a genuinely perfect film. Um... Yeah. It's one that I do often find myself thinking about certain scenes of because they've stuck with me. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a movie that, or it's a film, I should say, uh, that definitely sticks with you and is definitely one that impresses you both during and after watch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I couldn't agree more. The biggest thing... the. Bi Golly, I can't talk today. The biggest thing uh, that stood out for me was the cinematography. Specifically, uh, there's this one shot in the film that I kept coming back to, um, and it's when uh, Anton is he's on that little the spinning ride. I can't remember what yeah. you call those, but the way the way the camera, it, that entire scene, I just I found very very interesting. And as I was watching the film, I think I rewinded that like three or four times just to keep watching it and over and over again, because just the way that was shot uh, was so interesting. And like Seth said, uh, the final like five minutes, um, it was absolutely stunning to look look at. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I quite liked it. Um, it. I didn't give it. I can't remember what I gave it out of 100 i know i gave it four and a half stars no, you're, I, a, you're a ranker out of 100 kind of thing you, you know what i i used to not be um but then i started getting like what i feel like it's easier for me to make lists when i have more specific yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. numbers uh so i think i gave this uh yeah i gave this 94 out of 100 so it was like one point from five stars for me um but yeah i enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit uh the i thought as far I'm, and i'm wondering what your guys thoughts on this because this is something i took a note of uh so today in today's world i find that we we jagger excluded we don't get a lot of great child actors um and 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 but jagger you're excluded you're phenomenal we love you thank you um <laughs> but like it's specifically watching this and then i saw uh the goonies they re-released it at uh regal so i saw, went and saw that with my mom and watching people like Corey feldman and 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 sean astin and guys like that when they were young and then watching this one as well it really brings me like wow child actors used to be absolutely unbelievable like Corey feldman uh is the one i always go back to uh yeah, because he I had think it's it's a funny one because i think with these kind of lower tier projects back in the day like a 400 blows in terms of the budget and stuff like that 
they opted for a more kind of human authentic approach whereas i say now a lot of the child that's you get are being kind of taught in a way to overact which i think yeah. doesn't breed authenticity and doesn't look as human as the 400 blows where it's essentially it's like you're watching a documentary of a just kid who's confused do you know what i mean yeah and i think now yeah. you do get a lot of the overacting and that's the same moment just with child that's with um adult artists as well and it, it really is a case of just then it relying on them to be more authentic and be more realistic and just to act like a human um that's kind of the way i would look at it in terms of that side but i definitely yeah i definitely agree with you i think that there are some child performances now which you know aren't amazing by any means yeah um yeah like just watching the goonies and i mean there's so many people in there who are huge actors now yeah um that were kids then like josh brolin watching josh brolin in that movie is crazy um because he's he's just so young but he's so good um and 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 then watching movies now i mean you have some really good child actors working today like jagger um um and and i thought that uh young young kid from bo is afraid um yeah uh, was really really good um and but it's just i totally agree with you like there there's just a lot of overacting happening um and jagger i'm wondering as an actor like as a as a child actor that works uh what are you what are your what do you have any specific thoughts about this topic um yeah uh i the goonies was a great example um the one that always comes to mind for me is the exorcist i think that linda blair was yeah extraordinary in that film yeah um but yeah the 400 Blows, um, what's that kid's name? I cannot think. The one who plays Antoine Doinel, um, yeah, is... Yeah, um, let me see. He is um, phenomenal. It, it, he has a very down-to-earth performance, I guess you could say. He mm -hmm. has a almost fatally realistic performance where it feels bleak by the end of it, but it is perfect for what the movie is trying to do and i think his performance sort of encapsulates what the movie was trying to do and for someone to pull that off must much less a kid at his age is almost enamoring i feel like mm -hmm. is the word to use for it yeah yeah i found his name his name is uh Jean Pierre Leou. I probably botched that too, but sounds right. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. He was absolutely like I, and I find that with a lot of older films that have child actors, they're 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 um, they're a lot more. It's not so dramatic, you know. It's they're just like kids being kids, yeah. um, and. Yeah, that's that is what I really enjoyed about it. I want to bring up oh I, I hate, one scene. Um, oh yeah, I, go ahead, go ahead. I hate to interject, but on oh. that same fatally realistic note, as far as child performances go, my mind <laughs> almost wandered over to the kid from Funny Games, um, the '97 one. Yeah, that's a good. One. Yeah, uh, and that is more of that realistic 
child acting that you don't see as much today, like you were saying. Um, but yeah, be, beyond those, I can't think of many others, which is why this one is one of those ones that really stands out, because this one almost seems to step above the other ones that would come to mind. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think there was more of an emphasis on acting now. There's more of an emphasis on being an actor. Whereas then, I feel like the director would let the kid especially have more free reign in their, in their body movement, in, in showcasing emotion, rather than emphasizing, this is how you have to act, this is where we want you to be. I feel like then it was a lot more relaxed. Obviously, not all the time, but there are stories where mm-hmm. you know directors would let them have a lot more free reign, whereas now, it might be a case where it's all based on entertainment, which I'm not saying is a problem of blockbusters, for example, but that tends to be what you see is... The, the acting is very um, exaggerated, which, you know, it works and it doesn't work, but it's, it's much harder for a kid to do exaggerated acting than just to be a kid in a film and act authentic. Um, yeah. So I think that kind of tends to be the primary reason. But yeah, I definitely agree. I think the, um, the performance from him uh, in the film is, 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 is really, really brilliant. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and one scene I wanted to bring up, um, and this, this comes kind of to a thing I like thinking about with older films, um, is I find I find with older films um, when the comedy, if there is comedy involved in the film, it doesn't usually hit for me as well as like newer stuff, which is like understandable because they are writing this comedy for people who lived in 1959, not for people yeah. who are living in 2023. Um, but there was quite a few. I felt like there's uh, some comedy involved in this film, um, and there's one scene. It was about the only thing that made me, like, laugh out loud. Like, I had a few chuckles, but this one, like, had me belly laughing. It's near the beginning, and they're uh, they're in the classroom, and there's that one kid up front. Um, and if you guys can hear the construction in the background, sorry about that. But there's one kid in the front um, who is writing um, with ink, but he keeps getting the ink on his hand and then spitting oh, yeah. it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Every time he would like rip out a page or something like that, every and then he would like mess up the next one, then rip out that page. I was like, I was dying. I was laughing so hard. And um, when an older film can make me laugh like that, I find it very impressive to uh, because that humor is so transcendent and so it it, it just ages well. So I'm wondering um, if if you guys had any moments like that or have any moments like that with this film uh because i feel like there's a few but that's the uh big one for me yeah i think there's quite a few funny moments i think he Truffaut manages to bring out a childlike energy in a way where it's kind of whimsical it's fun and i think i agree with what you said because you know comedy moves with time comedy is always ever changing the what mm-hmm. makes most people laugh is always ever changing which is why even now we don't see the same comedies as we did in the late 2000s, you know, 15 yeah. years ago, we don't even see them. So I think for something to make you laugh, it's definitely uh, more of a rare occurrence than, than now. But I think, yeah, in the Fornjulas, there's there's many scenes which which definitely got like a little laugh out of me because it has that kind of childlike, especially in the first part, obviously, as you go ahead, it's a little bit more devastating, it's a little bit more uh, methodic and thematic. But then in the first kind of half an hour, there's a lot of like childish nature of them kind of pulling pranks of them up to no good. And I think it works in a way where he kind of reflected um, the child's existence in such a, in such a way where it really works with the film. So yeah, I definitely agree. 100%. Yeah. Jagger, what about you? What do you think? 
Um, yeah, I feel like you hit, you guys hit the core ones of the moments that did kind of make me chuckle, laugh, whatever it is. Um, but I would almost like to get into the more deep end of the movie towards the, like, I'd say that 30 minute line past where the movie starts to become a little bit more drama focused. Um... And when it gets yeah. and when it does get drama focused, it gets very drama focused. And mm-hmm. I wrote down in my review on Letterboxd that it is a genuinely heartbreaking movie because it's not a work of fiction as much as it is something that could both totally happen. Yeah. And is a movie that is extremely, extremely realistic and Mm -hmm. it heavily leans into its realism as one of the things that makes it stand out from other movies well i mean the the film itself was actually i believe inspired by his life as a kid yeah so it basically in terms of the main character our protagonist not quite the same you know it is kind of about him representing the the end of his childhood and the beginning of his adulthood that's why you see him kind of run on the beach at the end whatever and I think it's him escaping the confines of, of, of authoritarian figures like the juvenile system he ends up in, but and, and becoming an artist, which is what a similar thing that I think I read the Francois Truffaut experience, but you know, not a, an autobiography of any sense, but a similar experience such as Steven Spielberg with the Fablemans from last year. Yeah. Um, like a rough copy, you know what I mean? Um, and I think it works in such a way where it's so realistic and authentic and nothing is kind of pushed further for a film because it was based roughly on his life and his own experiences to the point where he can really explain and tell what emotion this kid is going through from not even dialogue from for example when he first is in the juvenile system or at the end when he's running on the beach and he's kind of ending his childhood life because it's based on the own direct experiences which Mm -hmm. i often find have a massive impact on the audience's ability to understand what what emotion is happening because the director was going through himself uh, that's yeah. kind of you know, the way I look at it. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't really have any more notes that I want to go over for the film. Um, does anybody have any other topics or stuff they want to talk about before we go into our questions? Uh, I'm good, I think. I think we covered most of what yeah. I Yeah, feel- Jagger, what about you? I feel really good, yeah. I'm doing good. Good stuff. All right, so starting out with our number one question. Um, what is our number one, Jagger? I'm having a brain fart right now. I believe it's most rewatchable scene. That is what it is. I am sorry, everybody. I'm very tired today. Yeah, rewatch most rewatchable scene. Seth, why don't you kick it off? Uh, what is your most rewatchable scene for the film? Are you guys east side or west side? I'm. What do you What do you mean? As in, you said you were tired. I didn't know where you were based. That's all. Oh no, yeah, I'm in Oregon. Uh, I'm. And, but. I just woke up early this morning and have been working on a construction site all day. Um, uh, okay. And I'm yeah all the way east, so yeah, I'm we're like all the opposite the... of each other. I'm all the way here, and he's all the way here. So time zones are a d- difficult thing. You talking yeah. to me, who is in a podcast with three American guys? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. Uh, what was the question? Sorry, most rewatched scene. Most rewatchable scene. scene. Yeah. <laughs> In 400 Blows? Yeah. Yes. Oh, the ending, absolutely. Um, 
absolutely the ending for me. I've rewatched it plenty of times. I've seen Rachel run on the beach. It's blind mm-hmm. optimism. Um, yeah. I think it's so touching. I think it's such a perfect way to end the film and the tones of what we just spoke about. Uh, yep. So yeah, the final five minutes where he's just running for ages, that'd be mine, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Jagger, what about you? Most rewatchable scene for you? I'm going to have to totally agree. Starting from when he runs out of the prison all the way down to when he runs yeah. to the beach. I think that that is a magnificent scene. Um, Absolutely. It's yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, that that's my number two. Um, but for me, um, as some people know, I'm uh, like the, the thing that will lock me into a movie the most is a good compelling script um so the scene and like good dialogue so the scene that i um find the most rewatchable is uh where he's being interviewed about what happened before the prison place um in the prison um i just found that scene super compelling um i feel like uh the guy who plays antoine does an absolutely stellar job in that scene and i i just really really enjoyed that um absolutely yeah um our next question is uh who who won this movie so if this movie only won one oscar uh what would it be um oscar uh i'd probably edge my bets on screenplay that'd be a safe choice i think um yeah. i think the writing uh, well it could be cinematography it could be whatever if I'd say the strongest part, it probably would be the writing in my eyes, so I'd probably go with that. Yeah. Jagger, what about you? I think that this movie, if we were going for that hypothetical Oscar, should be a sweep. It should take everything. But <laughs> <laughs> the cinematography of this movie um, was absolutely phenomenal. And as much as I would like to say directing, I think Francois Truffaut is great i think that the directing of this movie is phenomenal i think that jean pierre is great as antoine um Mm -hmm. but i think the cinematography on this movie um there's the shot that's the cover of the criterion collection case of it yeah yeah. where it's him holding the bars uh there's a lot of specific shots in this movie that are incredible so i think i'll go cinematography yeah um, I think honestly, I'm gonna have to go uh, with direct best. I think the person who wins this is uh, Fran. How do you say his first name, Seth? Francois. I know Francois. Francois. That's so fancy. Truffaut. I think he wins it, especially now that I know this was his directorial debut. Um, this is such an impressive start to a career. Um, and and so that that's who would. Ha- who it would have to be for me i just think this movie is so well directed um and uh it's it makes it even more impressive that's a it's his first feature film um so next question uh for you guys does this movie belong on the imdb top 250 uh yeah the imdb is it's just weird the imdb it, mm-hmm. so if i'm going to judge off mine I, like i said before i have it in my top 50 so yeah absolutely for me yeah definitely yeah um jagger what about you most definitely most definitely yeah i honestly think it belongs higher than what it's at which is i believe 244 um and and like we have we have some stuff 
on here, like that we've reviewed, that we don't think like. Uh, Seth, I don't know what your thoughts are in it. I know um, in the UK, Monty Python is regarded a lot more highly, but we yeah. watched uh, Life of Brian. Um, and we both, both of us thought it was fine. I thought I, I enjoyed most of the jokes. I got joke fatigue, but like that's one we were like, this, I don't think this belongs on top 250, but I think this one does, and I think it belongs a lot higher. Yeah, um, I like I like Life, Brian. It's not. I think Monty Python. I think the Holy Grail is better. Um, yeah, yeah. It's very much like a uh, a British dad film. You know what I mean? That's like your dad's favorite yep. film. Like like Gladiator, like Die Hard, Monty Python, yep. those sort of films. But it, uh, yeah, I, it's good. I didn't actually know that was rated so highly. And I think like um, the Four Hundred Blows is. I'd assume it's a lot higher on Letterboxd on their top two fifty. I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's in the top one hundred. Oh okay. Uh, it's ninety seven. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, and then last question. So our main character, um, would Antoine Donil, would he beat Jack Torrance in a fight? And Seth, here are the rules for this. No. <laughs> no weapons, and 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 they they can bring in anyone from their movie. So like. No. <laughs> I I mean. Who I I. I, I hate I hate that Jack Torrance wins every time except he got that draw with you need the to, Iron like, King Giant. Kong or some shit. <laughs> draw with yeah. Iron Giant. No. Okay. See, here's the thing. Here's what here's Jagger's logic. I thought this was so stupid because obviously the Iron Giant would win every single time. But here's Jagger's logic. So the Iron Giant, he basically his weapons are defense mechanism for when he sees a weapon. So by that logic, and by the logic that uh, there are no weapons allowed, he wouldn't see a weapon in Jack Torrance, like, that Jack, Jack Torrance has. So therefore, Jack Torrance he wouldn't... does carry a weapon, so it's like, do you know what I mean? I see, that, that's what I, but it, I don't know. It, we decided a, it was a draw. Um, even if weapons were allowed, the yeah. we talked to Gunch about this. The whole purpose of the reason the Iron Giant was made Yep. Was it Brad Bird's sister, I believe? Mm-hmm. Brad yeah. Bird's sister died to gun violence. So he made the movie with the proposition of what if there was a gun that didn't shoot people? Yeah. What I, I think it was what if there, what if there what was if a, a gun, gun was sentient and it didn't want to kill people? So you're going off no. more than just their phys- their physical ability then yes because i mean we really we really ability. go deep into this but okay. yeah. i think this one i think jack torrance wins there's Just no like, one he could bring there's no one like a teacher like a policeman no no because he hates all of them so yeah, yeah jack okay, torrance wins um before I, we I oh have, go ahead jagger i have one thing that i want to ask you seth if since yeah. you're here um, I know that you are a fan of the movie This Is England, right? Yes, most definitely. Um, and as someone who is also a huge fan of it, you rated mid-90s a four-star. Yeah. Did you not at any point feel like it was latently stealing it? Um, it's an interesting question. I would say not necessarily. I think that... I think it's weird because I think that films can be derivative in a sense where it's a negative, but it's still, they can also take influence. I think 
this is England was such a huge factor and a huge driving force in in England in the UK in, in, in the mid two thousands. To the point, a lot of coming of age films took a similar formula. Whereas I I don't think it's exactly the same. I definitely see your point. You know, the relationship with him and the girl, for example, uh, the relationship of how he meets the guys. I get it, but at the same time, I think there's a difference in influence where i i differ from a derivative term for example like the joker with king of comedy i think that's to the point where it's genuinely derivative because that doesn't have a focal point of where it wants to go where i think mid 90s works with an american audience do you know what i mean i think it works differently in that kind of way um yeah but i think this is england was such an influential powerhouse in coming age story especially within the working class like mid nineties, that it's just gonna have some influence. Do you know what I mean? It's always gonna, it's just gonna be there. So I get it, but I wouldn't say direct. I would just say perhaps a few scenes were very similar. Maybe I don't know. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally fair. Yeah. I just wanted to ask. Yeah. And right. um, so before we get in uh, to our draft for the day, um, so I just wanted, I again, this is something I wanted to talk about, and this is why we're skipping high and lows today but i wanted to just bring one thing up jagger i don't know if you've seen this but i know uh uh seth has seen this oh jagger this is on your watch list okay well seth i the other day i had a watch party with uh another guy from the other discord uh ben um and we watched hell house llc um and i'm i am not kidding when i say I genuinely had a hard time sleeping after I watched that. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that movie, because there's some, there's some parts in that that are like genuinely terrifying. No, like, so I watched it fairly recently, um, back in Mm -hmm. like April, March, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I'm a guy, I've watched like a lot of horror films. It was kind of, I watched exclusively horror and thriller for years of my life when I was younger. Yeah. And that genuinely scared me. A lot. Yeah. The first. For I think that film was so good up until for me when it hit like the fifty minute the hour. I didn't like the ending at all. It really like ruined a lot of it for me. But I think, in terms of strictly scares, in terms of found footage, there were certain sequences in that which fucking like really scared me. Yeah. So I yeah, really like impressively so, surprisingly so. I didn't expect anything going into it like most. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and that's how it is for me, too. Uh, me and Jagger are both huge horror nerds. Um, like, uh, big fans of The Shining, Evil Dead, stuff like that. Um, but it's... And so I, 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 I think I'm kind of numb to a lot of stuff at this point. Um, I've just watched stuff so much that that, yeah. uh, that basic, like, kind of, like, jump-scary stuff, uh, I kind of... You can see it coming, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But there was some stuff in that where where I was genuinely like it was just done so well, and I I I don't think it's my favorite found footage. Blair Witch will always hold that place for me because I you think that know movie. You want my opinion on Blair Witch? I I don't because I I, I think I know what it is and, and it's just gonna make me angry because I think that's one of the most genius movies ever made, especially if you look into the marketing and and when it came out. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. that that it's insanely impressive. I'll I'll go mute on my opinions then. That's cool. Uh, no, no, come on. I was I was joking. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I I, I don't like that film at all. <laughs> I and, 
I think it's ah oh, man. I think the my issue with the Blair widget which widget which project is that not you, but a lot of the fans of it, you know, the marketing was so great. Yeah, it was absolutely the Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. There's no denying the influence it had. It basically created and set up the found footage genre, which is a huge thing in horror now. Yeah, and I think I applaud the film for that. But I think the film itself, to be to me, is a bit of a mess. I think the characters are annoying. I think it goes around in circles. I think it struggles to have a real point to follow and a real point of direction, especially within the final third. Um, yeah. But it's kind of one of those films where I definitely get why people like it. Yeah. But I just, I, I honestly like find it really boring to sit through. And I have retried it. I might try again. It's been like a year, maybe. Yeah. I think but, yeah. the whole thing for me, is, and I talked to Jagger about this, is I don't, the whole like, we're going to give you a bunch of jump scares to scare you, that doesn't scare me. And, no, and no, it doesn't scare me anymore either. No, blood and gore, like the gorier the better. But again, that doesn't scare me. That just makes me more have more of a good time uh, with the film. What really scares me, and I think which is why Hell House scared me so much, is is when you're able to build an unsettling and and stressful and creepy atmosphere. Um, yeah, which Hell House perfected in the first half. Yes, hour. and Definitely. and which is like like uh, a movie like uh, the Babadook. Um, that movie yeah. did that so well, and it scared me so much. Yeah, um, and I feel like Blair Witch does an outstanding job at that, and that's why I think I love it so much. But I can definitely see where you're coming from and the points you're making. Got- yeah, I get it. I get it. I watched some like a short film that I was recommended by someone on a TikTok comment mm-hmm. called "Possibly in Michigan." Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? No, I don't think so. It's a 1983 15-minute horror, like, short. And yeah. it's... I don't know if you either of you have seen Sleepaway Camp. Um, uh, I think so. The ending of Sleepaway Camp is just an unsettling image where it's, like, her with, like, a big open mouth. Um, it's... If you took that shot... And made it move for 15 minutes, and it was just deeply unsettling, and it was like a movie that was crawling under your skin. That's what it, the whole thing was. Mm-hmm. And I hated every cool. second of it. it. Um, it was really like, it's a movie that, like you said, is something that makes you like, even after it's over. Um, Seth, I think you should check it out. It's great. It's on YouTube. I'll give it a watch. Yeah, but yeah. Man, some of those out. YouTube horror shorts, I feel like, are pretty solid. Like, I have a good time with some I've of watched, them. I've watched, yeah, loads of them. Some of, some of them are pretty good. Like, if you haven't got much time, some of them are like 10 minutes, and they're pretty creepy. Like, they're pretty well yeah. done. Yeah. yeah. Also, Jagger, I finally watched Evil Dead Rise. You did? Um, oh, yeah. 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 And that title card, that is one of the best title cards I have ever seen, where it comes up over the mountain. Seth, I don't know. Did you see that? I think I heard... I yeah, so I watched talked that. about it a while ago. I watched it, like, a, a bit... Um, sorry, twice, because I saw it a few weeks earlier. I was doing some mm-hmm. work with um, Studio Canal. And I actually liked it, I think, more on second. I, I like it. I, I really did. I think it is exactly what you kind of want from an Evil Dead film. Exactly. Um, it was yeah. just unapologetically Evil Dead. I do think, though, some of the commentary wasn't needed, just you know, regarding her as a main character. I don't think we need that in most Evil Dead films, but I think if you're looking 
for some just crazy slaughter, that's the right place to go. And I think, yeah, the title card we spoke about on a podcast, really, really good. Um, yeah. Definitely one, one of the best I've seen in a long time. Um, I think the Evil Dead films are just so consistent in my eyes. You know, I've not had 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I, I didn't love the Evil Dead reboot from 2013. Yeah, that's my last um, I, place, but I still think it's okay. In my yeah, it's all right, but I think I think it lost a lot of the charm that Raimi was able to inject into the original three. Um, but I yeah. feel like they got a little bit of that back in this new one, and I thought Alyssa Sutherland was unbelievable. Yeah, she was, um, she, she was she, It was just so fun to watch. And the cheese grater scene, dude. My toes <laughs> curled. I was laying in bed yeah, watching yeah. this, and I was like, oh, oh, God. Yeah, it, it was, was crazy unbelievable um but enough about um our get we're gonna we could i could go on for days talking about horror um but i think we should get into our draft if you guys are cool with that um so our our draft today is uh we are gonna do a draft of the top five fictional worlds um that we would like to live in um and uh Seth, I know on the Real Talk pod, you guys do snake drafts. We just kind of go like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, okay. one, yeah, two, yeah. three. Um, that's kind of how we like to do it. Um, so, Seth, since you're the guest, why, and I will keep track on a piece of paper. Um, oh, mother trucker. Um, since you're the guest, why don't you uh, kick it off? What is your one, one pick for uh, fictional worlds to live in? Yeah, so <laughs> I'll probably go the Shire. You know, I think that's like an obvious. I one knew it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to live in the Shire, definitely. Yeah. I think we well, we actually did this draft like it was one of our first episodes. On our oh podcast. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did it like a, about a year ago now. Um, but yeah, the Shire first pick, then first pick now, definitely. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, Jagger, what about you? What's your one pick? Um, I had some trouble with this, but I'm gonna take a one that maybe isn't exactly the most common pick um, i'm gonna take the grid from tron oh you mother god damn it that's in my top 25 of all time god jagger oh man <laughs> i feel like that all would right. be so cool i i was saving that till later because i didn't think anybody else would take it um shit okay well i'm gonna go with my one one pick um, I'm gonna take the Oasis from Ready Player One. Yeah, I'm pretty sure George took that on ours. Actually, it's a good one. Uh, I'll go. I'll go the Spirit Realm from Spirited Away. Ooh. Oh, that's a great pick. Oh, that is such a good pick, Jagger. What about you? Um, I'm gonna take a very recent one. I'm gonna take the Mushroom Kingdom from Mario, and that is a movie now, so I can take that. And I feel like that's, that's a W pick. That's cool. That's, that's yeah. Cool. Um, I what? I honestly loved the Super Mario Bros. movie. It was pretty surface level, but I had such a good time with it. Makes sense. Um. So. Okay. So can I? I want to clarify. So Seth took the Shire as his one-one pick. You can um, take another place in Middle Earth. In Middle Earth. Okay. Think. Okay, that's that's uh, what I was going to ask. You knew exactly. Actually, no. I'm going to go with my second pick. I'm going to go with Wakanda. From oh, the yeah, MCU. that's interesting, actually. That's, that's interesting. That's pretty um, good. Seth? 
I'll go... I'm a Harry Potter guy. I'll go to the Wizarding World. Heck yeah. That was my next we pick. We love Harry that's, Potter. That's yeah, good. that was my next one, too. Um, Jagger, what about you? Well, then I'm going to take the next big one. I'm taking Narnia. I feel like that W. Be that's a W pick. Not great movies. Not great but... movies, but what a world to live in. Yeah. Um. All right. I think... Oh, I had one here. I have a list right now. Where'd you go? Oh, what was it? Um, oh, uh, is it in Winnie the Pooh? It's the Thousand Acre Wood, or what is it? Yeah, that's quite a good one. I have no idea. That's a good one. I like it. That's yeah, really that's good. what I'm going to take. The Thousand Acre Wood, just so I get to hang out with Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'll go... I'll go Pandora. Oh, that's a. If you ever get a chance, Seth, um, if you ever get a chance to go to Florida, um, they have at Disney World. They have uh, in Animal Kingdom. They have like a Pandora Land. Oh yeah, do they? Um, and it's awesome. And the Avatar ride, it's called like the Flight of Passage or something like that. It is one of the single greatest things I have ever experienced. So if you ever get a chance, that is very, very cool. Um, okay. Um, so the Jagger, why don't you go ahead with your fourth pick? My fourth pick? Okay. I'm gonna take Oz. Yep. Oh shit, man. I only had five down. That's a uh, great pick. Oh, shit, that's, that's, that's really uh, I gotta think what I want for my uh fourth pick. Um I think I am gonna take Skull Island uh, for my fourth fourth pick. Um, I feel like that'd be pretty cool. That's kind of dangerous, but cool. Um, Seth, fifth and final pick. What are you taking? I was gonna say Oz. So uh, I'll just go with something recent. I'll go with um, I'll go with Inner Sharon from obviously the band she's been in Sharon last year. Oh yeah secluded isolated nice countryside i'd like that yeah you know it's like it is a real place but it's not called in a sharon so i'm taking it anyway yeah that count? yeah yeah that oh counts. yeah that's uh that's that's, cool. that's a great pick i think um god now i gotta think of um hmm jagger fifth pick sorry i keep i'm trying to do like multiple things at once give us your fifth pick um, maybe it's not the safest of places, and I'm having trouble thinking of anything else. So I'm just gonna have to go with Wonderland from Alice in Wonderland. Oh shit! That'd be oh, that's a great pick. It'd be really interesting. Um, so yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I am gonna go uh with oh ta. I already know what I wanna do. Um, I'm gonna go with Camp Half Blood from Percy Jackson. Mm, that's that oh, that's good. I, I um, that didn't even since... cross my mind. I grew up with those books. Movies aren't great, but those books are phenomenal. All right, so to review um, for our picks, Seth, you chose The Shire, um, The Spirit Realm from Spirited Away, uh, The Wizarding World, uh, Pandora. And um, Inishirin, 
um, from Banshees. Um, and then Jagger, you went with The Grid, uh, The Mushroom Kingdom, Narnia, Oz, and Wonderland from Alice in Wonderland. And I, Trey, went with uh, The Oasis from Ready Player One, Wakanda, um, Thousand Acre Wood from Winnie the Pooh, Skull Island, and Camp Half-Blood. Um, so everybody, either if you're uh, watching this on YouTube, comment down below um, who you think won this draft. Um, or if you are listening to this on Spotify, uh, give us, uh, isn't there a, tri a little uh, response thing they can do on Spotify, Jagger? There's a response thing they can do on Spotify, but instead of saying who won the draft, I think they should use this as an opportunity to give us a question, bit, draft, whatever, because this was actually yeah. a request from someone on Spotify. So. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. That's our first request, like, ever. Yeah. That's super cool. So um, leave yeah, a request, so that... and we'll put it in an upcoming episode. So, yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you for joining us on the uh, Average Film. I almost said Real Talk. This isn't the Real Talk podcast. <laughs> thank you for joining us on the Average Film Enjoyer podcast today. Uh, we would like to thank Seth for joining us. Seth, uh, you want to do a little self-promotion again? Tell, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah. Uh, Seth's film reviews, TikTok, Seth's reviews, Letterboxd. Um, I think it's both Seth's film reviews on, on Instagram and, and YouTube as well. Uh, and also shout out the Real Talk podcast, of course. Yeah. The, yeah. the second best podcast behind the average film enjoyer. Oh, I don't. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah. Go check out the Real Talk podcast. Uh, Seth is on there with a few other film talkers. Um, and they got some really good stuff on there, some really good conversations um and uh i if you want to follow me on, oh jagger you got something oh i was gonna do the you, if you can find us thing but it seems like you were about to do that now yeah yeah so you can find me and jagger we i am trey the film noob on tiktok and uh trey rz on letterboxd um i need to get that changed so people can actually i don't who's gonna know how to spell rz um and then he is jagger uh movie reviews on tiktok film, right film movie re film reviews jagger film reviews i always say movie reviews dang it yeah, um jagger like yeah so. uh jagger uh film reviews on um on tiktok and jagger pot pie on letterbox um if you're watching this on youtube please leave us a like subscribe and uh, comment, comment anything you would like uh, for us to talk about on the podcast, draft questions, stuff like that. But please subscribe. We love the support. Um, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we would love for you to leave a review, uh, specifically five-star reviews. Those are our favorites. Um, so keep supporting us so we can keep doing this. Um, and if you want to watch a movie before Tuesday uh, we will have an episode releasing with uh, our fellow movie talker, Film Gunch, uh, reviewing uh, the film It Happened One Night with Clark Gable, uh, directed by Frank Capra. So that will be releasing Tuesday. So go ahead and give that a watch. We're going to be talking about that. We recorded earlier this week, and it was a phenomenal episode. We, Me and Jagger both had a great time uh, recording. But again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope... You have a great rest of your day, whatever time you're listening to the set. <laughs> All right. Bye.